European Heart Journal, Issue at a Glance, Volume 42, Issue 25, Focus Issue, Epidemiology and Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Filippo Crea, read to you by Morgan Bryan. The new SCORE2 risk prediction algorithms and the growing challenge of risk factors not captured by traditional risk scores. This focus issue on epidemiology and prevention contains a state-of-the-art review entitled Heart Healthy Cities, Genetics Loads the Gun but the Environment Pulls the Trigger authored by Thomas Munzel from the Johannes Gutenberg University in Mainz, Germany and colleagues. Environmental pollution is a topic of growing interest together with the urbanization process. The authors note that the world's population is estimated to reach 10 billion by 2050 and 75% of this population will live in cities. Two-thirds of the European population already live in urban areas, and this proportion continues to grow. Between 60% and 80% of the global energy use is consumed by urban areas, with 70% of the greenhouse gas emissions produced within urban areas. The World Health Organization states that city planning is now recognized as a critical part of a comprehensive solution to tackle adverse health outcomes. In the present review, the authors address non-communicable diseases with a focus on cardiovascular disease and the urbanization process in relation to environmental risk exposures, including noise, air pollution, temperature and outdoor light. The present review reports why heat islands develop in urban areas and how greening of cities can improve public health and address climate concerns, sustainability and livability. In addition, it discusses urban planning, transport interventions and novel technologies to assess external environmental exposures, e.g. using digital technologies to promote heart-healthy cities in the future. Lastly, Munsell et al. highlight new paradigms of integrative thinking such as the exposome and planetary health, challenging the One Exposure, One Health Outcome Association and expand our understanding of the totality of human environmental exposures. Risk scores play an important role in the management of cardiovascular diseases, or CVDs. Current guidelines of the European Society of Cardiology on Prevention adopted a risk chart called SCORE, or Systematic Coronary Risk Evaluation which was developed based on 12 European cohort studies and allowed the estimation of 10-year risk of cardiovascular death. In a clinical research article entitled Score 2 Risk Prediction Algorithms Revised Models to Estimate 10-Year Risk of Cardiovascular Disease in Europe Emmanuel D'Angelo Antonio from the University of Cambridge in the United Kingdom and colleagues sought to develop a validated and an updated prediction model, or SCORE2, to estimate 10-year fatal and non-fatal CVD risk in individuals without previous CVD or diabetes aged 40 to 69 years in Europe. They derived risk prediction models using individual participant data from 45 cohorts in 13 countries, 677,684 individuals, 30,121 CVD events, using sex-specific and competing risk-adjusted models, including age, smoking status, diabetes, systolic blood pressure, total and HDL cholesterol. 
D'Angelo Antonio et al. defined four risk regions in Europe according to country-specific CVD mortality, recalibrating models for each region using expected incidences and risk factor distributions. Region-specific incidence was estimated using CVD mortality and incident data on 10,776,466 individuals. For an external validation, they analysed data from 25 additional cohorts in 15 European countries, 1,133,181 individuals, 43,492 CVD events. After applying the derived risk prediction model to external validation cohorts, C indices ranged from 0.67 to 0.81. Predicted CVD risk varied several fold across European regions. For example, their results suggested that the estimated 10 year CVD risk for a 50 year old smoker with systolic blood pressure of 140 millimeters of mercury, total cholesterol of 5.5 millimoles per liter, and an HDL cholesterol of 1.3 millimoles per liter ranged from 5.9% for men in low-risk countries to 14% for men in very high-risk countries, and from 4.2% for women in low-risk countries to 13.7% for women in very high-risk countries. The authors conclude that SCORE2, a new algorithm-derived, calibrated and validated to predict 10-year risk of first-onset CVD in European populations, enhances the identification of individuals at high risk of developing CVD across Europe. In a companion clinical research article entitled SCORE2OP Risk Prediction Algorithms Estimating Incident Cardiovascular Event Risk in Older Persons in Four Geographical Risk Regions Frank Visseren from the University Medical Center Utrecht in the Netherlands and colleagues sought to derive and validate the SCORE2 Older Persons or SCORE2OP risk model to estimate 5-10 to 10 year risk of cardiovascular disease or CVD in individuals aged over 65 years in four geographical risk regions. Sex-specific competing risk-adjusted models for estimating CVD risk, CVD mortality, myocardial infarction and stroke were derived in individuals aged over 65 without pre-existing atherosclerotic CVD from the cohort of Norway. 28,503 individuals, 10,089 CVD events. Models included age, smoking status, diabetes, systolic blood pressure, total and HDL cholesterol. Four geographical risk regions were defined based on country-specific CVD mortality rates. Models were recalibrated to each region using region-specific estimated CVD incidence rates and risk factor distributions. For external validation, the authors analysed data from six additional study populations, 338,615 individuals, 33,219 CVD validation cohorts. C indices ranged between 0.63 and 0.67. Regional calibration of expected versus observed risks was satisfactory. For given risk factor profiles, there was substantial variation across the four risk regions in the estimated 10-year CVD event risk. 
The authors conclude that these models can be used for communicating the risk of CVD and potential benefit from risk factor treatment and may facilitate shared decision-making between clinicians and patients in CVD risk management in older persons. These two SCORE2 manuscripts are accompanied by a joint editorial authored by Lale Tokazoglu from the Hasetepe University Faculty of Medicine in Ankara, Turkey, and Christian Torp Pedersen from the Aalborg University in Denmark. The authors conclude that for today, our main efforts should focus on integrating SCORE2 to our clinical practice and use it in daily risk evaluation. However, we should use it wisely and be aware of its limitations. The next generation risk assessment models should take into account causality and cumulative effect of risk factors and relate the calculation directly to the benefits of intervention. The association between physical activity, or PA, and risk of CVD is complex. In particular, PA may be an important modifiable risk factor for atrial fibrillation, or AF, but associations have been variable and generally based on self-reported activity. In a clinical research article, Accelerometer-derived physical activity and risk of atrial fibrillation. Stephen Lubitz from the Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, Massachusetts, USA, analyzed 93,669 participants of the United Kingdom-UK Biobank respective cohort study without prevalent AF who wore a risk-based accelerometer for one week. The authors categorised whether measured PA met the standard recommendations of the European Society of Cardiology, American Heart Association and World Health Organization, moderate to vigorous physical activity or MVPA, 150 minutes per week. They further tested associations between guideline adherent PA and incident AF primary and stroke secondary using Cox proportional hazards models adjusted for age, sex and each component of the cohorts for heart and aging research in genomic epidemiology AF, or CHARGE AF, risk score. In addition, they also assessed correlation between accelerometer-derived and self-reported activity. The mean age was 62 years and 57% were women. Over a median of 5.2 years, more than 2,000 incident AF events occurred. In multivariable-adjusted models, Guideline-adherent PA was associated with significantly lower risks of AF, hazard ratio 0.82, and stroke, hazard ratio 0.76. Correlation between accelerometer-derived and self-reported MVPA was weak, Spearman, R equaling 0.16. Self-reported activity was not associated with incident AF or stroke. Lubitz and colleagues conclude that greater accelerometer-derived physical activity is associated with lower risks of AF and stroke. Future preventative efforts to reduce AF risk may be most effective when targeting adherence to objective activity thresholds. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Paulus Kitchhoff from the University of Birmingham in the United Kingdom and colleagues. The authors note that this study and the open access policy of the UK Biobank illustrates how quantitative activity monitoring can benefit research into AF. This study also broadens our thinking about mobile health and illustrates how much well-conducted clinical research is needed to estimate the benefits and risks of mobile health-based interventions.
We need to encourage controlled trials of mobile health and to continue broad discussions about the ethical and judicial rules for using such technology in societies deeply grounded in freedom and human rights. Little is known about the trade-off between the health benefits of PA and the potential harmful effects of increased exposure to air pollution during outdoor PA. In a clinical research article, Association of the Combined Effects of Air Pollution and Changes in Physical Activity with Cardiovascular Disease in Young Adults. Xiong Rei Kim from the Seoul National University College of Medicine in South Korea and colleagues examined the association of the combined effects of air pollution and changes in PA with CVD in young adults. This nationwide cohort study included about 1,500,000 young adults aged 20 to 39 years. Air pollution exposure was estimated by the annual average cumulative level of particulate matter, or PM. PA was calculated as minutes of metabolic equivalent tasks per week, or MET minutes per week, based on the two consecutive health examinations from 2009 to 2012. Compared with the participants exposed to low to moderate levels of PM2.5 or PM10 who continuously engaged in greater than or equal to 1,000 met minutes per week of PA, those who decreased their PA from greater than or equal to 1,000 met minutes per week to 1 to 499 met minutes per week, PM10 adjusted hazard ratio 1.22, and to 0 met minutes per week, physically inactive, PM10 adjusted hazard ratio 1.38, had an increased risk of CVD, P for trend less than 0.01. Among participants exposed to high levels of PM2.5 or PM10, the risk of CVD was elevated with an increase in PA above 1,000 met minutes per week. The authors conclude that reducing PA may lead to subsequent elevation of CVD risk in young adults exposed to low to moderate levels of PM2.5 or PM10, whereas a large increase in PA in a high-pollution environment may adversely affect cardiovascular health. The manuscript is accompanied by an editorial by Thomas Munzel, Omar Hahad and Andreas Deiber from the University Medical Center Mainz in Germany. The authors conclude that the combination of the assessment of personal air pollution concentrations and PA may help to decide whether we can have our exercise without any side effects for our health. The optimal amount of sodium intake in the prevention of CVD remains controversial. In a viewpoint article, Salt Reduction to Prevent Hypertension The Reasons of the Controversy by Feng He and colleagues from the Barts and London School of Medicine and Dentistry in London, United Kingdom. The authors indicate that there is a causal relationship between dietary salt intake and blood pressure. A reduction in salt intake from the current world average of approximately 10 grams per day to the WHO recommended level of less than 5 grams per day lowers blood pressure and reduces the risk of cardiovascular disease and all-cause mortality. The authors note that a few cohort studies have proposed a J-shaped relationship between salt intake and cardiovascular risk, i.e. both high and low salt intake is associated with an increased risk. They believe that these cohort studies might have some methodological limitations, including reverse causality, an inaccurate and biased estimation of salt intake, e.g. 
from a single spot urine sample with formulas. Recent studies have shown that formulas used to estimate salt intake from spot urine can cause a spurious J-curve. Several countries, e.g. Finland and the UK, have successfully reduced salt intake, which has resulted in falls in population blood pressure and deaths from CVD. They propose that every country should develop and implement a coherent, workable strategy to reduce salt intake, as even a modest reduction in salt intake across the whole population would lead to a major improvement in public health, along with huge cost savings to the healthcare service. This issue is further complemented by two discussion forum contributions, in an article entitled, Alcohol and Atrial Fibrillation, Not All Drinks Are Created Equal. Franz Maserli from the University of Bern in Switzerland and colleagues discussed the recent contribution, Alcohol Consumption, Cardiac Biomarkers and Risk of Atrial Fibrillation and Adverse Outcomes, by Dora Sengeri from the University Heart and Vascular Center Hamburg in Germany and colleagues. Sengeri et al. respond in a separate contribution. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its listeners.